The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. There you go. He's flying with his new track at his Nile Horn and Heaven here on Beat 102-103. And we'll, we'll make no reference to Harry Styles when it comes to Nile Horn. I'm sure he's constantly sick of being referred to as Harry Styles' band member. He is his own solo singer now. Well, the last time I spoke to my next guest, it was about her new business, The Pepper Hustle Method, set up with her friend Martina back in 2018. The business that helps create a happy, healthy lifestyle has gone from strength to strength. And Lynn Ward, who is a trainer and nutritionist, is here to tell us more about their phenomenal and her phenomenal growth on Instagram and about how her gut health reel went viral and so much more. Like we are talking, we're not quite talking Kim Kardashian followers on Instagram, but we're talking Rod's personal numbers, aren't we? We are. <laughs> Tell we us are. how many followers. How mad is that? It's mad. Um, so I think yesterday um, I, on my own social media platform, hit 450,000 followers. <laughs> no, Lynn, I think you're wrong. You have 456,000 followers. <gasps> You're joking. <laughs> 456,000 followers. Oh my go. God. I actually didn't even know that. I was thinking it was sitting around 450,000, which was no. still jaw dropping to me. And Pepper Hustle. And Pepper Hustle, 366,000 followers global. When you came in to me back in 2018, yourself and Martina, and you talked about a plan where people pay you monthly or quarterly and you promote a healthy lifestyle. I remember thinking, like, great idea, brilliant idea. You know, hard to get people to sign up for stuff like this. Look at you now. I know. Look at us now. And it wasn't even you, actually, because I remember whenever, before Pepper Hustle even became a thing, before um, Martina became kind of part of the part of the story, I had been speaking to my dad about this vision that I had for um, a business that I wanted to create online. And he was like, ah, it'll never work. He was like, sure, you've got Joe Wicks, you've got, you know, there's not enough. And I was like, he said, there's not enough people um, that would want to sign up. Sure, nobody even knows who you are. And I was like, there are what, over seven billion mm. people in the world. I was like, why not? Mm. And I was like, nobody is doing anything different except that it's the person doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And whenever I have started, whenever I started my business in Tremor, actually, um, I had a fitness studio yes and at the same time my dad as you can tell super supporter um he had said to me he says won't it be hard to get like people into your classes and I was like why because they're in the countryside in County Washington well because I do I think he was going like for how much I had invested in Mm. the business to get it up and running and then how much it would take to repay that off like was it not you know high risk yada yada and I was like there's 10,000 people living in Tremor Surely I can get like 20 people to come to my classes. <laughs> Little did I know yeah. <laughs> at that time that it was a slog. But the only thing for me is that it's come from like a deep rooted passion in what I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would probably even do it for free. Like, I love it. I absolutely love what I do. Uh, what was the change? And, and I mean, in the numbers on Instagram, when did it start to, did something happen? Did someone so something you? did happen. And what actually happened was that, so, um, Personally, like I have had like a TikTok account for so long, which has been going amazingly well. So, you know, everything that I kind of put up on there would Mm. go go viral. But the difference between face, the difference between TikTok and other social platforms is the kind of way that you can build a community. Mm -hmm. So TikTok isn't really community based. It's for building a following that that you then pull into your community. Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of ticking along there quite nicely. And then what happened was that last summer, um, we woke up one morning and noticed that our followers had started to go up. Now, we have been, I'm going to say we've been at the slog for so long, but we've always had the attitude that if we're putting out good content, it doesn't matter. Mm. We have good content and it's not our fault that it's not getting seen mm-hmm. because you have this thing as a social media algorithm mm-hmm. that you have to be pulled into. And unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of really good people out there miss algorithm as we had done for years. Mm. And then suddenly... Like, you know, one of my fitness reels started to capture and it was one that had been on TikTok or this was on Instagram. So on Instagram, one of my reels had started to pick up traction, but it was one from like maybe like three or four weeks previous to content that we'd been pushing out, you know, since then another of my fitness reels went viral and another and we're talking into the millions it's not even into the thousands or the tens of thousands. It was into well, the what, millions. What was it about those ones in particular? Um, 
I don't know. Like whenever, so whenever I create my reels, it's always comes from a, from an educational standpoint, and mm. that I am really of the opinion that your exercise regime does not have to be complicated or convoluted to be effective. Mm-hmm. And then what I would have had was people dropping into my TikTok asking me, "Can you help me with X, Y, and Z?" And then I would create the workouts to help with that solution. And then obviously, if one person is asking it, there's going to be tens of thousands of people with the same problem that have never asked the question. Um, and then it seemed to be the ones that had been responding to specifics that got picked up. And then I felt like once we were in that kind of, you know, being pulled into the algorithm, then it pushes forward other videos. Um, and then boom, suddenly our business is made, our social media has skyrocketed, our community is solid and it's pinch me moment. And what does that mean for you then? Do you start getting contacted by agencies? How how does that work then? So what happens is that um, primarily, so whenever you have an online business, you could be dropping onto people's feeds, you know, sporadically, Mm. but nobody's going to buy from you just on the first thing that goes out. You Mm. have to be continually getting into their feed. Mm -hmm. And this is about building your brand. So what I would say is that you have to be very conscious conscious about what you're creating that is brand building content mm-hmm. as in you're not expecting to get anything from it you're just getting you want to to connect with people who then whenever they see your name coming up they resonate with it they know the content that, that you're providing they know that they find it useful mm-hmm. and therefore they start to engage with your with your content um, and like and share and recommend and so you know, have you been getting else. those sort of hashtag spawns and hashtag so ads? yeah so I mean in more so on my personal account um, I probably get daily um, you know collaboration requests um, you know you can make a lot of good money there um, people want you to make content for their businesses going mm. forward um, we've had less of that on Pepper Hustle okay. maybe more so because that is like you know we're pushing our business there our kind of subscription service mm-hmm. um, and stuff there but in both um, in both streams there has been like a massive up- uptake and right. a massive increase in business from and both sides of the a balancing act isn't it because I have gone from really liking someone's content to deleting them from my feed yeah. because they're doing too many ads then as well yeah. so there is a balancing act Aye, there. there is um, and I think that when and I, and I think it might not even be because they're doing too many ads I think Maybe did we hit at a time when people were wanting a refresh? Mm. Maybe are the people who have been going viral for, you know, the, the famous people who've been going viral for years and years. Um, the one thing that did change is that Instagram did make a point of, um, you know, giving the underdog uh, a bit of a, a bit of a push mm. up in their competition to TikTok. Mm. So um, I know it all sounds so silly, doesn't it, whenever you're saying <laughs> it like this, but whenever um, it's really important that, you know, if there's anybody out there figuring out, trying to understand why their content is really good, but it's not going anywhere. Like, bide your time, keep putting out the good mm. content because yeah, it will happen. And believe in yourself. Never have the doubt in yourself. Like, I have never, ever, ever, Orla, this is so crazy, because from day one and anything that I've ever done and any kind of business venture that I've ever stepped into, I have never, ever, ever doubted that it would ever be a success. I've always believed in that. I've always so manifested, manifested it. I've, yeah. al- You know, because you can manifest, do the work, but uh-huh. feel free to manifest alongside that and believe that it's going to happen. And I am telling you, the universe has your back big yeah, time. Like, true. Yeah. Let's talk about one of those reels that really went viral. In fact, your most popular reel, which is all about gut health. Why is gut health important to you and important to others as well? Um, gut health is important to me primarily because... Um, in 2015, I had an incident. So I was working as a personal trainer and I had my studio in Tremor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had an episode where I had a collapse and um, and I nearly died from that. So we discovered then that I had a heart issue. Okay. And that then I was told that I needed to have surgery. Mm. So me being the scaredy cat that I am and living at that time as somebody who put everything on the long finger to do with my health mm-hmm. because I was afraid of what would come of it. I was afraid of, you know, um, dying. I was afraid of like whatever, you know, to the extreme, especially whenever it came to buckling up for my heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was um, I had started to get really chronic gut issues okay. where um, I was really unwell. I'd lost a lot of weight. I had been, you know, sorry if it's TMI, but I've been running to the bathroom, mm. you know, eight or nine times a day, mm-hmm. 
which was really not pretty. I've been very, very stressed in my life without even realizing it. Um, and I had spent 18 months um, not getting it seen to. And I actually, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I bet you loads of people can resonate with this, that I had diagnosed myself with bile cancer. Okay. So you Dr. Googled yourself, really? And I'm sure I'm not the first person who's oh, ever done that. I have done that. Um, yeah. However, between the jigs and the reels, um, I got myself over there to see a specialist in London, mm. got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Okay, so re- a relief in a way. A relief that I, yeah, that mm. I had an understanding of what was going on. But unfortunately, whenever you're diagnosed with an autoimmune illness mm-hmm. and specifically something that affects the gut, you are kind of on your own. There's lots of great medications, but because autoimmune would hit somebody different. So if you had ulcerative colitis and I have it, the medication that works for me may not necessarily work for you. There's different solutions for different people. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that there's not really much support and guidance on is how you can help yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is where my personal obsession with gut health came into play. Um, Kind of six months after my diagnosis, when I had finally accepted it, to just kind of grab it and see how I could feel better and do better for myself was when my kind of research kicked in mm-hmm. um, and understanding exactly how important the that gut health is for you. Um, and it's one of these topics that isn't highly studied in terms of, um, you know, disease and illness, mm. but it is common, like it is you know, the scientists and the medical profession are really understanding more and more about it Mm -hmm. um, as time goes on, which is great for the likes of you and I, because we can then delve into our diet um, and other things that affect our gut microbiome. Um, Things like how stressed are you? Mm -hmm. Um, Things like how much exercise are you doing or are you not doing? And the type of exercise you're doing or not doing. Um, There's the foods that we eat. Um, and so there's a group of foods called um, like phenolic foods mm-hmm. and they would be things that things like uh, like berries, blueberries. What they are is like a selection of anti-inflammatory foods. Mm-hmm. So olives are a phenolic food. Um, they are an anti-inflammatory food and olive oil has got um, an oleic acid in it, which has been proven with um, IBS to delay the onset of IBS, okay, brilliant, and to um, actually like stop the progression of IBS. Okay, and this great. has been scientifically proven. Okay, so you're taking an elixir every morning. Um, if people want to check it out, it's on your Instagram account. You've pinned it to the top there. That is Lynn underscore Fit, isn't That's that right? right? Yeah, with your ridiculous amount of followers. How are you feeling? I'm actually feeling really, really good mm. since I've been taking this elixir um, and obviously hand in hand with managing my stress. Mm. And I must also say that I am non-negotiable with the medications that yeah, I take three times a yeah. day to keep everything at bay. But what I have managed to do is to get myself into clinical remission through the foods that I eat, the lifestyle that I live and taken my medication but everything all has created this balance within my body that I am feeling really really good and happy gut happy life Lynn. right happy Lynn <laughs> <laughs> well listen if you and did we even say that you have how many million people watched that reel that you made Um, so 3.2 million wow. and going strong wow. and over the past 30 days I've managed to reach collectively 8.8 million people. Jeepers. And this is from somebody in Waterford, not even Waterford, in Fenner. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, amazing <laughs> stuff. Um, you can follow Lynn at Lynn underscore fish if you want to search her there. She'll be very easy to find. And the Pepper Hustle Method, of course, is Lynn and Martina's business and it is Pepper Hustle Method on Instagram as well. Thanks a million for coming in this morning and telling us your phenomenal thank, story. Thank you, Orla, for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.
Beat 102 and 03 with music from Tiesto and Take McRae. That is called 10.35. And of course, you are listening to the Sunday Grill. And tomorrow is the start of Fostering Fortnight. It aims to raise awareness of fostering and how people can go about becoming foster carers. To tell us more, I'm joined by Nora Nithuma. She's the Principal Social Worker and Management of the Recruitment and Assessment Teams at Fostering First Ireland. And Linda Smith, who is a foster carer based in County Wexford. And you're both very welcome to the Sunday Grill. Thank you very Morning, much. Orla. Morning, Linda. I'm, I might start with you. Um, how did you start fostering? When did this all start for you? Um, this started um, 12 years ago. Um, a friend recommended us to FFI and um, it started off with a phone call, basically. And then we got um, um, a visit from um, a recruitment uh, officer in FFI and it went from there, really. And where were you in your life 12 years ago? Were you married? Had you children? What was going on in your yes, life? Yes, um, married to Paul. Uh, we're 25 years married and um, we had three children and um, our youngest at the time was five. Okay, so why fostering then and why did your friend think that that could be something that could work for you and your family? Well, she knew I always wanted to do something. Um, I suppose we didn't really want to have any more children of our own, but still felt, you know, this kind of um, gap in our family that we could um, fill with maybe helping somebody else who was less fortunate than ourselves. Okay. And how many people have you fostered or children have you fostered since you started 12 years ago? Well, we fostered uh, three children long term and we've had a few a few placements that have been just short term. OK. And how long can short term be? Um, we had a young person with us for three months. Um, again, it was short term because um, in FFI, in Foster and Force Ireland, they have this matching process, which works really well. This young person wasn't um, meant to be a, a long term placement. Uh, she wasn't a proper match for our family, but they knew we could give her the care she needed at the time that she needed it. OK. And when you say long term, what, what is long term? Well, long term is basically for as long as the child is needed to be in your care, but potentially up to the age of 18. OK. And... You know, it's a hard. It's hard to fathom if you haven't done it. How does it work? Do they become very much part of your family then? Oh, absolutely. It's it's the only way it works. To mm. be honest with you, um, yeah, you, you you're not doing this on your own. Like you really need to involve involve this child in in every aspect of your family life. Um, but you do need you know you know um the support from your your family your friends um anybody really you can pull in because the more supports you have the bigger your network um the better chance of the child settling with you and feeling part of of your family and your community and then Linda I think a lot of people think when they when it comes to fostering they think of the end game and that's a child leaving their family unit that was you as the foster carer and how, how hard that must be. Is that a true statement? Is it very difficult to see them move on or have the long term children in your care actually moved on or are they just part of the furniture now? Well, yeah, there's, there's two answers to that. It is very difficult when you've had somebody in your care for so long and they've been part of your family. Um, one young person is actually the first person who came to, to live with us. Um, she was with us until until she was 19 and then she she moved into the aftercare service. Um, so you are, but it is a natural progression because like our own daughter, she was moving on up to college and same as this young person that uh, was in our care. It was she was doing the same thing, funny enough, at the same time. And she's still um, she's still in our lives uh, to this day. She so, still links in with everybody in the family. So she still has you if she needs you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She rang me. She rang me just the other day, just looking for an answer yeah. to a question that she needed. Yeah, she she would definitely be involved uh, with us. So does that mean home is still where you are for her? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. She um, again, she's she's she wasn't from Ireland, but she would always call us our Irish mammy and daddy. Oh, lovely. 
So Nora and Nora is the principal social worker and management of the recruitment and assessment team at Fostering First Ireland. Talking to Linda there, there are some misconceptions about fostering, aren't there? What are those misconceptions? I think a lot of times people assume that you can't be a single carer, maybe that you can't own your own home. This, this, it, it varies, I suppose, depending on what people's circumstances are. Um, I think one of the things that we know is that different children need different things from different families and mm. families come in all shapes and sizes. Um, and how families look has changed a lot over time. Um, so we would have families that might be a same-sex couple. We would have single carers. We may have couples who are married. They may not have chosen to marry. You know, so it's it comes from a, a variety of walks of life. And I think that's the piece that people presume that you have to look a certain way to be mm-hmm. a foster care or your life has to be a certain um, way mm. to be a foster care. And I think that would be the main piece. Can um, I ask you about those certain ways that I think of when I think of fostering? Like, for example, do you encourage people not to work if they're fostering? I think what we really say is that you need to have flexibility. And I think Linda can probably agree with me on this mm. to some degree. Like for younger children, certainly it'd be very difficult to work that if you take a baby or an infant into your home, it's very difficult to work. You wouldn't be working if it were your own child. You'd have maternity leave. Um, so that's one of the areas where it is more challenging that one of the carers, if there's a couple, one person needs to be at home. Okay. I think the other piece is that you need to have flexibilities to facilitate meetings or appointments. So for some that works really well with maybe the kind of hybrid working that has become more common now that since COVID mm-hmm. um, and then for others they have flexibility around they're self-employed or they can do their hours around school time so as Linda mentioned earlier on there is that piece around matching and when we look at foster families for children we look at those needs about what will work for the foster family and what will work for the child and how those they can meet so that would be one of the things that we would factor into matching so why how available is the carer for some people, it may be that they need older children who are in school or secondary school. For mm-hmm. others, they want younger children to match with their own the profile of their own family. They may have younger children themselves. They may choose to have a child slightly younger than their own or slightly older than their own. So there's no exact um, picture that's perfect for any one child. OK, but it sounds like there's extra... Um, almost paperwork involved in fostering that you need to be available for extras. Yes, I mean, I think it would be. I suppose it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be being honest if I didn't say that there was a certain amount of additional requirements mm-hmm. for children in care. They often will have therapeutic appointments. They may have family visits, and that is one of the pieces that we talk quite frankly about with potential applicants to foster. Mm-hmm. But that's the flexibility that they need to be able to think of it's not just um having a child living in their home there's kind of those extra pieces that need to be um factored into to planning um and part of that timetable and one of the pieces we would do in ffi is outline what those requirements may be so that people can really have a good think about that and how it would work with their family Mm. is there an age limit for fostering there isn't an upper age limit. Um, there is a lower age limit of 25. Okay. The upper age limit is really based on your health. So if somebody had good health and they were older, you know, we have carers in their 70s. Um, most would start younger. I suppose that a lot of our carers are in their 70s have been doing it for a, a, a long time. Um, but it's really about physical health and I suppose um, just being fit enough um, and agile enough to, to foster. So you wouldn't necessarily place a very young child with an older carer mm. and things like that. Again, that's back to the matching. That's really important within mm. FFI. And have you seen the profile of foster carers change in FFI over the years? Um, I suppose we would have carers from different backgrounds now, mm. maybe. We'd have some carers who aren't, weren't born in Ireland, who might be from overseas, who have an interest in looking after children um and didn't realize that they could foster in Ireland you know that they might have thought that you needed to be Irish born but we'd have some families maybe from Eastern Europe or Asia and that so that we can look at cultural matching for children who are in care because obviously children who are in care would come from a variety of different backgrounds as well um as I mentioned earlier we have some families that are same-sex couples both male and female 
So yeah, maybe that profile has changed somewhat. And as I said, we'd have some single carers who would also be fostering with us now, whereas traditionally maybe it was the two parent family that had children that fostered. And Linda, yourself, how would you describe fostering for people who might be thinking of going into the process? What, what, what have been the good parts for you and even what have been the downsides? Well, the good parts is for for us as a family, we always, I would, I would say we foster as a family um, because it's very important for your own children to be completely involved in what you're doing. But um, you're making a difference. That's the way we feel. That's the good side of it. You're making a difference to the young people's lives, no matter how short of a time that they're with you. It's rewarding. There's always pros and cons to every situation, you know. Um, there's the downsides of things where, you know, you might have a struggle, but that's where, you know, with Foster and Force Ireland, you link in mm. and you you get your supports. You know, we have um, FFI supply, a therapist and an educational officer. If there's, you know, you haven't any problems with the young person with their, with their school work or they just need extra support or us as carers, um, the therapist is not only there if we have a, a problem or an issue, she's there for us as well as carers for our own self-care, uh, which is so important, you know, um, just somebody to bounce off that a situation mightn't be as as bad as you think it might be um, after speaking um, with the therapist. Um, I suppose to answer your question, um, it's it's the highlight is just being able to help help the children through the trauma that they're experiencing. We're we're so equipped in FFI to be given all the training, and that whatever whatever comes up for us, we're generally covered. And if we're not, we're we're provided with it. To be honest with you, yeah. So all the support is there for you and for the child. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, as I said, well, now I said, can I ask you just to mute again? I will thank you in yeah. a bit too. Okay. Well, as I said, it is fostering fortnight from tomorrow. If you want to get more details on fostering from Fostering First Ireland, their website is ffi.ie. But Fostering First Ireland are having an information event. It is online this coming Tuesday. You can register on ffi.ie and a foster carer is available at that event as well to answer any of your questions. That's this coming Tuesday and it's ffi.ie but in the meantime Nora Nituma the Principal Social Worker and management a Manager of Recruitment and Assessments at Fostering First Ireland and Linda Smith a foster carer herself based in Wexford thanks a million for joining me this morning Thank you Thank you very much Thank you The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 It is Beat 102-103 of a Sunday morning and good news for Carla comedian Shano Basso-Gall. Last week he claimed second prize in Show Me the Funny, Ireland's largest and longest running comedy competition. That means he's won a festival spot at All Together Now in Waterford, which of course takes place over the August bank holiday. We've chatted to Shannon before, of course, and he's back on the Sunday Grill to tell us all about it. Not bad for a fellow who came back from Australia and tried a bit of comedy, eh? Oh, it's not bad. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's been a good. It's been a. It's been a busy year. Um, uh, I was I was in the final of the competition last year. Okay. And did very badly. Oh. So what does very badly mean? <laughs> like came last? Or? <laughs> oh no, I got laughs, but they weren't winning laughs. So it was this one. <laughs> we turned it around. Uh, we we uh, licked my wounds, worked on some stuff. What did and, you uh, change? What did they not appreciate last year? Oh, it's the, it, well, a lot of my material last year was because oh, I was gigging in like New Zealand that I had to basically just come up with a whole new uh, set. So okay. th- I think I had one remaining joke from the from the final of <laughs> last year. So this was a whole new. Uh, look, so I still use some of them, but but um, this is a, all new stuff uh, that I've kind of uh, developed over the last year, gigging around okay. Ireland. So much more geared towards an Irish crowd. Um, so yeah, it was under. it was a uh, yeah exactly yeah okay. yeah I wasn't talking about um, um, the, the New Zealand housing crisis. <laughs> so it made, it made so, a bit more sense. It was New Zealand you were in, and not Australia. Just during the it was pan- New just Zealand. Just, I was okay, in, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And that was kind of pandemic times, wasn't it? You came home it, because of it the pandemic. Was just, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was around that time we came back because um, it was either we come back or we had to stay in New mm. Zealand indefinitely. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, we should probably, we should we probably know what happened home. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, th- this competition show me the funny is, it's quite familiar sounding. I think we know this quite well because it's a, a big competition with some big hitting names that have won in the past, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, some from some very big names like Kevin McGarren and 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 Bernard Casey, mm. uh, Emma Doran. So yeah, it's it's quite it's it's so I think it's it's been going for I think twenty five years something like that. It's a huge night in in Galway, um, and it's it's you're up against like kind of the the cream of the crop in terms of up and coming Irish comics. So delighted with with where I placed. Like yeah. it was um, and this was it's it's funny to say this, but like this is the spot I wanted. I wanted to play it all together now. Um, so I was, I think I was happier to come second than to win it. If mm-hmm. I'm being honest with you, um, if I can be gracious in defeat, but I, <laughs> it was I was very very excited. Yeah, no, it was it oh, was a yeah. big one. And playing to an audience that you kind of need because you're based in Carlo, obviously. So it'll be great to be playing to a southeast and beyond audience at all together yeah. now. They can go and see you in Scrags Alley, etc. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Like, I found, like, as I said, um, I, I, I have the most fun um, gigging, say, in the, in the likes of, like, Waterford, Wexford, mm. uh, Galway, Cork, Sligo. You're, you're, you're dealing with maybe, like, say, up in Dublin, you've got to fight with the, there are more tourists at a lot of the gigs. So you've got to chop and change your material. But, like, when you're at these kind of events, you, you have a very good sense of who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's it, it, it kind of, somewhat maybe takes a little bit of the pressure off because you, you know these people and, and, and you know you kind of know what 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 you have that they will like and it's it's a lot it's it's a lot of fun good stuff um, how would you describe your comedy what kind of a comic are you now that you don't have any New Zealand jokes it, uh, look I do I'm still figuring that out if I'm being very mm-hmm. honest with you I've been doing this like for four years and it's it's the thing is like I it, I have a very mix of like I'll have observations I'll have kind of like satirical stuff on news stories I'll have stuff about like storytelling through through through, through you know, stuff I've been through um I haven't quite honed in on on like a particular style I wouldn't mm. say I'm dark but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm definitely not a clean co- I'm not a clean comic if that makes any sense yes no that not makes clean. perfect sense yeah not clean but not like incredibly dark okay kind of. I will go, I will do some dark stuff, but try and be silly. So it's, it's, it's a, it's whatever, the, whatever way I think the joke will make the most sense and say, will put, put out the most, like how I feel about a certain subject. That's where it kind of ends up. It's okay. not, You're I don't in have the moment. a set style. Yeah, I, I do a lot of it. Like I, I, I ha- obviously I have my set routine, but one of the things that in the competition, I just treat it as if it was a normal gig. And one of the things I like to do, if, if something happens in the moment, I'll jump on that and I'll riff on that. And I'll try and bring things that are happening in the room, like either through my material or just go off about like, you know, I think someone, I had a real tense joke where the whole place goes quiet. And it was, I was like, this is it. It's the big closer now. And just as the room went quiet, Someone went, achoo, and snapped. <laughs> <laughs> it just works. Which, just which, works. which ruined, ruined the tension, but I was able to riff on that, yeah. which then got like a, a big laugh. So it's like, I like to kind of, I like I, I never like to say, I know exactly what I'm going to say when I'm going out. I do have my set jokes, but I'm, I give myself kind of freedom to go in any and other directions um, on, on the night. So yeah, it, it, it all fell into place on Monday. Okay, good stuff. Well, listen, the prize, as you said, is a slotted all together now this coming August Bank Holiday weekend, which is brilliant. But you're also the host of Carlo's Only Comedy Club in Scraggs Alley. Yeah. It's been a really big success over the past year. You've got dates and the next shows are the end of March, 31st of March, 28th of April, uh, dates in May and in June as well. If you want to keep up to date, you can follow Shannon. He is at SBG Comedy on Instagram, on Facebook, and of course you can follow Scrags Alley as well. So that is SBG Comedy to get more details on Carlo's only comedy club in Scrags Alley. And Shannon, congratulations and thanks a million for joining us again on the Sunday Grill. Thanks a million, Orla. Can I actually have you Go to turn it. up at the end of my gigs to do <laughs> that part? Because I always forget to ask people. I, I you, you know like what you just, can have. You can have a recording of me because I just have the record. Yeah. I just play that at the end. I'll that would be amazing. That would be um, my gift to you. Fantastic. And can I just one one thing that um a, a, like a lot of comics that we're trying to get out there at the moment and um, there's a cur- there's a, 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 a 
what's the word? What are they called? The things on change.org. Um, Petition? A bit, there we go. Thank you very much. I need you for more than just my <laughs> outros. But there's a petition on change.org. It's about trying to get funding for stand-up and the improvs um, recognised by the Arts Council. Oh, yes. So okay. people can check that out. Okay. That would be a big help. We're nearly at a thousand signatures okay. there. And if we could I'll get that, that it would help a lot more comics that could... Um, they could benefit from the funding for working on their shows and stuff like that. That would be amazing. Good stuff. Shannon, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Ollie, you're a legend. Thank you very much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the weekend. You're listening to Beat 102-103 and we all know the stats about shopping locally by now. That every €20 Euro that you spend locally is worth €100 Euro to the economy that it creates a smaller carbon footprint, creates local jobs, makes your community a destination. Well, one southeast area is helping people shop easier in their locality by producing postcards with a map of 17 independent shops in Waterford City. It's an initiative taught up by Ancuta Musina and Mappa Ireland. And Ancuta is here with more details. You're very welcome. Hello, Orla. Nice to meet you. Nice Thank to you meet for inviting you me. As well. Now, you run The Good Wardrobe, one of those 17 shops featured um, um, tell us a little bit about The Good Wardrobe before we talk about all those other shops. So The Good Wardrobe started off um, as just a little dream of mine that I've always had to um, bring kind of sustainable and circular fashion towards the Irish market. Um, there are a few other shops that don't do that at the moment. Um, there are vintage shops in Waterford. They're really lovely. There's the Vintage Factory. There is Narnia Vintage. And I always tell people there is a consignment store up just above... Um, Shoebaloo. Um, so mm-hmm. they have a little consignment store where you can buy pre-loved fashion. So that's where the idea started off. Um, it's just, I think, with the market nowadays being oversaturated with like fast fashion. Um, and like I find these brands and these shops, they kind of take away from the identity of the city as well. Um and they're all kind of pushing towards like a certain style, like you see people dressed all, all the same, mm-hmm. uh, like the same style, same kind of style clothing. And um, this kind of pressure that is being sent that you have to kind of keep up with the trends, with the fashion. And I really don't agree with that. So I find that um, like vintage clothing and pre-loved fashion would give you that kind of option to find your unique style uh, while still being kind of considerate towards the environment and Lovely. And you have some giftware as well in the Good Wardrobe, do you? Yes. Um, starting with last year, I also started supporting other local artists. So I do a few collaborations with um, other artists from around Ireland. So I have an artist from Wicklow that does really lovely greeting cards, um, Hannah Design. I have another really lovely artist that does greeting cards that have wildflower seeds in them. So they're fully compostable. You can oh, actually lovely. yeah, plant them and they turn into um, yeah, wildflowers. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty ingenious idea. So this is why I think it's important to support bis- like local mm-hmm. businesses because they come with so many um, lovely ideas. They kind of mm-hmm. go beyond and above to find, you know, to sp- spark their creativity and find something new and unique to offer to your customers. And supporting other producers in the locality at the exactly. same time. And you're based on Bailey New, Bailey's New Street in Washford City, which has become quite a little mecca around there of independent shops. That's a little bit, yeah. There is a few really nice ones. There is um, Nest. Um, Sinead has really lovely stuff, uh, homeware um, and decorations. Um, she's done some really lovely um, workshops before Christmas um, as well. So it kind of Builds a lovely community to the areas in the area as well. Um, there is Bayveen, which is well known, um, such a lovely local designer. We're lucky to have her. And yeah, CC Creatives was kind of they kind of moved away, mm, but there we had we had Amy there with the Yumi, <laughs> and now they're part of the CC Creatives. So loads of like um, independent shops um, that I think they all have their unique style and they bring something new to the city. Mm. Which is great because Washford has lost a lot when it comes to shopping, but that kind of big brand shopping that you were talking about as well. But it's lovely to see such independent shops with like personality, different personalities, I think, is the way that you would describe it, wouldn't you? Yes, that's right. And um, I think it adds to the character of the city. 
Um, they build a nice community around it. It's nice to know that, you know, beside the fact that you're 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 helping someone build their own dream, you know, um, you're you're helping the environment, you're helping the most of these brands, sorry, brands, shops will have a sustainable approach towards the way they run their businesses as well, um, which is absolutely great. So it kind of takes all the boxes. So tell us what you've come up with with Mappa Ireland. Um, so the idea actually, funnily, um, I'm in Bailey's New Street and mm. that area is kind of saturated with tourists. Okay. And a lot of people would come in and they would ask, oh, where could we shop? So they could be tourists from Ireland coming from like different parts of Ireland to visit Waterford or they could be tourists from abroad. Mm-hmm. And um, I started um, drawing on a piece of paper for them, like the key... And I used to be, oh, you have to visit Bayview, you have to visit this place, you have to mm. vis- visit that place. And I used to kind of draw that. And then I was like, why don't I have something to just hand out to people um, so they can go around? And they were very thankful to receive that. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. And then sometimes I thought, oh, have you had lunch? So I was like, go to Bishop's Palace. They have a <laughs> lovely cafe. Or have you had coffee? Go to Trade Coffee. There's like the best coffee in town and so on. Like, And they love getting a bit of like an insight from someone that lives in Waterford. Yeah, of the Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, of like where it's the best food, where is the best coffee, where is, you know, a nice place to shop and get unique because they're looking for unique. Like they don't want to go and get something that they could get in their own country or on on their own kind of side of the of the world. So they do appreciate it. So that's where the idea came from. So it's food, it's drink. Uh, well, at the clothes. moment, it's just retail. I started off small with just retail, but I think it could be developed um over time towards like other areas like there's we're blessed with so many choices of like restaurants and cafes in Waterford like really really good restaurants Um, like I have friends visiting from Cork and they're like oh my gosh I've never been in a bad restaurant in Waterford like they've tried all of them they're like they're all great so yeah brilliant and the postcards are gorgeous as well of course they're made by Mappa Ireland who do great things of course digital prints as well Robbie's very talented um, and yeah he did an absolute brilliant job to it and what's the reaction been like? Is it mostly tourists who are grabbing them or, you know, um, do tourists, locals, locals like to have a nice map of their city? Uh, tourists, um, local local people uh, love the idea as well. I had a few, um, I had lovely reactions uh, when I posted it on Instagram, actually, uh, from the other business owners because they didn't expect this initiative to, mm-hmm. to come. Um, and they all were interested to kind of see how they can get them into the shop. So you Hopefully, you'll be able to find them in all of these shops that were uh, listed on the on the little map. Um, but yeah, just tourists love them and people from around Ireland love them because they can take them with them. Yeah, and, and then, they're unusual. They're not like the usual photo we expect no, postcard of your area. They're, exactly. They're lovely and unusual looking as well. Well, it's a great idea and a great way to promote the independent shops that are in Waterford. If you want to check out more details, they can follow you. Of course, you are the good wardrobe on Instagram. Is that the right? good wardrobe.ie on Instagram. The good wardrobe.ie on Instagram. And then Mappa Ireland is where you can check out the postcards and everything else that Mappa Ireland does with their prints that uh, look lovely on people's walls. Yes, I do stock his uh, products oh, as well brilliant. in the shop. So if people want to have a proper look at it's them, great they to can see come things in person as well, which is another example of why shopping locally is so important. The ridiculous things that I bought online during the pandemic that I didn't even send back that are just sitting there because then it's a waste of time because exactly. you have to take off your own yes. time to go and send them off and I so have on I learned my lesson I really and have well, it's I'm nice because you see these shops offer you the option like they showcase their products you can see them and then knowing even if you're like from Cork or Galway doesn't matter if you've mm-hmm. been in Waterford you liked something from Bayview mm-hmm. you can then order it online so yeah. it's nice you take that away with you and I was like oh I really love that shop what is mm-hmm. it you go back to your little map and yeah you just yeah. continue to be their kind of customer if you do really Great want stuff. to support them. Well, Akusha, thanks a million for coming in this morning. And of course, as we said, your shop is The Good Wardrobe in Washford City. Thank you so much, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is The Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. And this is the time that we do our movie. And I have to say, I love the look of this cocaine bear. It's just so crack looking and off the wall. Does it entertain you, though, when you're sitting in the cinema for 95 minutes? Brian is here, as always, with his honest and <laughs> unique opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love the sarcasm. It's like, I don't know if it's... 
I know it is honest and it is unique. Whether that's a good thing <laughs> or not. Whether it's good or not is a know. different question. Will we have a listen? Sure. I had to beep a lot out of this, by the way. Beth, we should go. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry, check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on <laughs> The bear, it did cocaine. <laughs> a bear did cocaine. There was a bear. A bear? It was Hey, that's inappropriate. You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course they can. There you go. Um, and that's my favorite bit. Bears can't climb trees. Of course they can. Can you imagine the panic of you saying something like that? It's like, what you know, that old myth that if you run in zigzags, a crocodile can't get you. And then is that not true now? I don't know. I'm not going to find out. I always so. thought that was true. <laughs> okay. And that track, White Lines, love it. Um, I just looked it up here and it said it was by Duran Duran. And that is not true. That's a completely okay. different track. That's what I said. I didn't realize that was. No, it is. Uh, isn't it Grandmaster Flash? Yes, it is. There you go. Is that enough information for you? That's there? good. Yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. do me. Okay. Good. Okay. Now. I really like the idea of this. I think I'd be highly entertained. It was filmed in Ireland in the Wicklow Mountains. Yeah. Um, it stars the late Ray Leota. Leota, who found out he had a lot of Irish heritage when he was here. Okay. Um, I feel it, maybe it's a step too far in saying this is a bit of a feel-good movie. Joe, <laughs> you know, it's... I, I, the way some of best, I saw a thing on Letterboxd and I was like, this is a trash movie but exactly the kind of trash that I want to see <laughs> you know yes. it's so stupid and things happen <laughs> and you're like brilliant perfect <laughs> like it's the kind of terrible where it's it's an art you know yes and it's like I don't know I had a great time at it and it's not like they gave up and just threw anything at it it does have a storyline it does have a storyline it, it is based, based on, on a it. true story yeah like a r- r- randomly based like. yeah but it's, Loosely based. It, it stars like a random selection of people like Kerry Russell, Alden, Ironreich, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ray Liotta, like yeah. you were saying. It's like, and like there's and some... Di- directorial de- debut for Elizabeth Banks. She's in it as well. Uh, like, uh, it's got some heavy hitters in there. It's 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 a random one, but it's like, it's kind of a perfect mix to be fair. Do you know, okay. it's, it's like, it's like, why is this person here? And then it's like someone like Jesse Tyler Ferguson will pop up and you're like, what? From Modern Family. From Modern Family. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, this doesn't make sense about a, a bear that had a load of cocaine. <laughs> and it's just it's just a perfect mix of everything then, do you know? And so is that basically the premise, trying to catch a bear who ingested a lot of drugs? No, so bas- so the, the whole premise is there was there was drugs dropped out of a plane and there's some people trying to find it. There's some people like there's some children running away from home, like just to see this waterfall. Okay. And then this bear has done some cocaine. Okay. And there's a basically, they're trying to get away from this bear. It okay. is it is gruesome so it's and a chase violent. Movie. Is it it's kind a, of? It's essentially, but most of the time they don't know that the bear is there because. Oh right. They're so in a forest. Lots of different scenes of people enjoying their day in the forest, and then this bear, <laughs> who is not himself, you yeah. might say. Arrives. Yeah. So lots of gruesomeness, is there? There is a lot of gruesomeness. And real there's gruesomeness, some, fake some... gruesomeness. Could I deal with the gruesomeness? Uh, there's one scene in particular where it's like, uh, the, it's a really cool. I don't want to ruin it because it was really cool. I thought it was funny, but I think I might be a bit messed up. Okay. But it, it was. It was just like <laughs> <laughs> there was. Just, there's these really funny like death scenes from the bear, okay. and it's like this really over the top, and it's just it's just so silly. It's it's beautiful. Death scenes, as in the bear kills not, people. Okay, all right. Yeah. And so, does that mean even though there's a very long list of stars in this movie that we don't see them for a very long amount of time? They do all seem to get their own little piece, though. To be fair, like okay. there's nobody in it. Like Ray Liotta kind of appears later on in the movie, but like that's kind of he's like the halfway point. Oh my God, there's another guy in it involved in it, and like there is a nice thing that like one of the children's name is Henry, and like he said, "Oh, what's your name?" It's like, "Oh, Henry," or whatever, and like. 
it's obviously Ray Liotta's last role before he died. Mm. Henry Hill is what his name was in Goodfellas. So okay. the last kind of character he encounters is the character that kind of made him That's so famous, you know. So it's kind of a nice, link there. a nice little circle of life type thing. Did you come up with that yourself or read that somewhere? I, I came up with that myself. Yeah. I saw that in the cinema. Tenuous. tenuous. But um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's the kind of film where you could 100% sit back and watch it. And we've like, watched a lot of heavy hitters over the last few weeks. So this yeah. is kind of a bit of a reprieve, isn't it? It, it is. It's a bit of like, there's, with, it's, it's funny because all the Oscar movies right now, everything's so yeah. serious, everything's so like well done in a sense you know but like this is just a complete sit down and just watch enjoy your friends type movie like you know okay good stuff anyway let's uh we'll be black putting it um 95 minutes which is always a good thing it's yeah. been a long time that I'd, since i've actually said that movie was an hour and a half yeah like we don't do that anymore but no. you wouldn't have added anything else to it no it, it was it's a perfect amount of length that it was like and like i suppose the oscar movies they're all they all seem to be pushing two hours Okay. Like I watched Two, two Leslie the other day and okay. Andrea Riseborough is nominated for Best Actor uh-huh. for two hours as well. And it's like, again, it's a bit of a stretch. And mm-hmm. I don't know, a tie an hour and a half movie. Like, yeah, like some it. of the best movies we know are like an hour and 20 minutes. Totally, like, all know, those so. 80s type style movies are all about 90 minutes yeah. long. That's what we want to see back again. This one is 95 minutes. Um, any twists along the way? It's just a bear and cocaine. Like the <laughs> One of the funniest things that happened was while I was at it, I went to it in the cinema, obviously, and while I was at it, Someone in the screen turned to somebody they were sitting beside and said, what would happen if a bear did cocaine? And I was just like, we were halfway through the movie. <laughs> I was like, this is the whole this is what would happen. I just had a fit of laughing. <laughs> I was like, what? like, this is literally what the whole movie is about. What if a bear did cocaine? What age so, is it for? What, what's on it? It's definitely not PG oh, anyway. It, it's definitely not PG. I actually don't know to be I'm fair. I'm sure it's like 15. 18s, it's 18s. It is 18. Okay, yeah. and deserves to be 18 because... The gruesome you know, deaths, and yeah. also the storyline itself is a bit, you yeah. know. No, it's be... funny though as well. There are points where you will definitely laugh. Like I thought it was actually quite funny as well. So I don't know. It's it's maybe like you could see it in the cinema for sure, but it's definitely one of those ones that if it goes on to Netflix or something, and you throw on, and it's like you and the lads are sitting at chilling at the house, like it's looking for something so on. It's easy. It's okay. easy. A hundred percent an easy watch. Brilliant. Let's give it some black puddings then, which I'm sure that bear would love a bit of black pudding. Yeah. Well, maybe not as much as something else. <laughs> but uh, I give it like a seven out of ten. But it's not okay. like a, it's not like a bad seven out of ten. It's like a it's a it's a it's a seven out of ten movie. But I did really enjoy it. You know. Okay. Good stuff. So there you go. A great one to see in the cinema, or as Brian said himself, if I'm sitting at home with the lads. Yeah. Ah, whoever the lads are. My boys. My boys. My boys. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I don't even know why that's funny. Uh, seven black puddings out of ten. Thank you very much. No problem. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.